concerned, which we normally do. Uh, the statistics for 2023, we've had two baptisms. We're thankful for that. Sister Lily Bukov and now Brother Sid Poon. We're thankful for that. And we also had the, the sad passing of our dear sister Lily. Um, and uh, we, we should continue to pray for Sister Gordana and Sister Olga as they are not attending for a while because of their uh, Sister Olga's condition, but keep them in prayer as well. We had one wedding. Brother Josiah Reinhardt married Sister Laura Tack from Beverly Hills. And we had one Sunday school graduation, Sylvia Denzinger. So we're thankful for that. The sort of major events that occurred during 2023, the Toronto Choir visited Avon Road. We had the Midwinter Sing last year, which is also coming up in about three weeks from now or so, uh, Lord willing, in February. The theme there was Le uh, Leave Here Changed. There was about 125 people in the choir. We're thankful that it's getting, uh, the message is getting out there and, and people are finding it a, a really a break in the winter to come here to an event like that. So keep that in mind as we prepare for it again. Easter breakfast for the youth in April. As we mentioned, Sister Lily passed away in the month of April and Brother Josiah's and Sister Laura Tackle's wedding was in April. Baptism of Brother Sid Poon was in June. With a church picnic in St. Agnes's and Harry's place, August. We're thankful for, for Harry and Sister Agnes for opening up. It was quite an experience. We encourage if they call you again to come to, uh, to join in. It's a really good experience we had there in Newmarket. VBS, the theme was Parables of Jesus. That was in August. And uh, as mentioned, uh, Sylvia Denzingers was taken up, uh, had graduated from, from Sunday school. And 90th birthday of Sister Lena, she passed the milestone, uh, 90 years. And she came to, to church. It was a wonderful experience, too, with her family coming as well, Shirley and Derek and uh, the other sister. The cookbook fundraiser uh, was raised uh, for Ukraine, raised almost $24,000, so we're thankful for all that did contribute to that. That was <clears throat> the final tally was given in November, I believe. And we had the Sunday School Cookie Bake and Christmas program in December, the Messiah program in December in our church in the morning. And... Uh, I have Sister Christine, I added that one, it was maybe a bit at the end. Sister Christine reached the milestone of 99. So let's pray the Lord gives her years to become a centenarian. Keep, keep her in prayer as well. We're thankful for Sister Victoria, um, uh, Viorica who came here to help out with Sister Christine. Keep her in prayers also as she um, gives her care while she's here with us. If we don't have any more announcements, uh, let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for 
your presence with us in the past year, your blessings, your blessings of salvation, your blessings of uh, encouragement, of visitation, and the very promises that you have given to your people that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And we pray that you continue to be with us throughout the year of 2024. We're thankful for this day to worship thee in spirit and in truth. We pray your pre presence with us. We pray your presence with <clears throat> those that will preach this day. Be with us and bless us. For we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. For this <clears throat> meditation this morning, I was led to look at the book of, or the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians chapter 4. To the Ephesians, the epistle to the Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> I'd like to start reading with the Lord's help. Let's start reading uh, from verse 17. 17, just to give some context. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry. And sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not thy, the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. <clears throat> Let all bitterness and all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. 
I've read to the end of the chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel before the Lord to pray. Oh, Lord God in heaven, as we bow before thee this morning, together here, we're very small. We're just a small collection of people in a large city. We're a small group of people on the face of this big, vast earth. And this earth is just a small speck in a universe that we cannot comprehend the size of even. And we are addressing a God who is bigger than all these things, a God who has created all these things, a God who has created each one here, a God who knows each one within the deepest depths of their being. Thou dost know us intimately better than we know ourselves. So, dear Father, it's only right we bow. And dear Father, we pray that every heart this morning, in this room, this small collection of people, every heart would be bowed before thee too. Because we know that this is what pleases the God of the universe. Hearts that are humble before him, that are calling out to him, that see his goodness. And dear Father, we've read of thy goodness, even this morning hour. we read of the declaration of a new day, of a new hope, of an escape, of light in the darkness. We're being called out this day from our darkness, from our little hovels, from our own little worlds, into the light and the glory of thy grace. Lord Jesus, we thank thee for this new day, this new day of grace, this new Sunday, a day we can gather together and we can worship. Dear Father, help us to turn our faces towards the light, to hold ourselves up to thee, to let it shine in every corner of our being. Lord Jesus, we thank thee for life and breath this day. Each one of us, in all the different stages of life, from the young ones to the old ones, dear Father, each one needs the light from the timeless one, the one who has no age and, and will not age, the eternal God who has sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Dear Father in heaven, we've come this morning hour to worship Jesus Christ. Help us to do that, not just in what we say, not just in the songs that we sing, the words that are spoken over this pulpit, dear Father, but in our hearts and in our lives as we receive these things, as we think on them and as they come out now in our actions towards each other. Lord Jesus, we are so mindful of thy example this morning, of the tenderness, the grace that proceeded out of thy mouth and thy actions, thy every moment that was a, a, a care and, and a, a looking to the needs of others. And we have a long way to go. We that are so often selfish, that so often look to ourselves first and only to ourselves and rarely think beyond, what about the other? What is their good? How can I affect the good of the other? Dear Father, give us the mind and the heart of Jesus Christ this morning hour as we read this word as we see it. We thank thee, dear Father, for thy goodness in the days past. We pray that it will continue. We pray for upcoming generations, for our young ones, 
those that are still in their innocency and yet are surrounded by sin in a world that has fallen and themselves in their own way are broken as all of mankind is. Dear Father, we pray that the incorruptible seed would have a, heart, a root in their little hearts, that it would grow up and that in the time when they're able, when they're cognizant to make the decision to follow, that they would be able to do that. They would be born again. Oh, Lord Jesus, be with the little ones. As we know, thou dost delight to welcome them, that they are of thy kingdom. We pray for the old ones, dear Father, those that are struggling with their health this morning, that are not knowing even what the next day will bring and the weeks ahead and the year ahead. Lord Jesus, be with them too. Help them to see that all they have at the end of it all, at the end of their lives, is thee, is the great treasure of Jesus Christ. We ask, dear Father, that they would find their strength in thee this day, that they would be content resting in Jesus. And those that don't know thee, those that, whose, whose bodies are failing them and realizing their, their end is approaching, help them to reach out and to fully embrace Jesus, to be immersed in him truly in faith, to follow his word completely. Dear Father, we pray for those that are in prison this morning, those that are confined by man, that are in a situation that they don't want to be in, that are struggling in, to see thy purpose in the four walls that enclose them. Lord Jesus, help them to realize that even this situation it's within thy control. It's within thy power that thou hast called them to be there at this moment, this time. And there is sufficient grace to live as an example. Even if they can't preach through words, they can preach in their lives and their testimony. Lord Jesus, there are so many other things we could pray for this morning hour. Bring them to our minds. Help us to be mindful of them and to do. To not be hearers just of this word this morning, but to be doers also. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear ones, when I read now the scriptures as we had read last week, in the book of James, chapter 1, as we have read here <clears throat> in Ephesians, chapter 4. And no matter which page you turn to, my mind always goes back to the basic principles that Jesus taught on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember, we had a series last year. I really, I really benefited from myself. It's not that I'm just preaching to the, to the church, but preaching to myself. I felt very convicted in almost every single beatitude, in every single beatitude. And then what followed after that, the commentary that Jesus gave that included the principles in the seven beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And 
When we read Ephesians 4, for example, the Apostle Paul often gives a contrast to the Christians between them and the Gentiles, them and who they used to be. There were many that were in the church of Ephesus that used to be idol worshippers and Gentiles, Great is Diana of the Ephesians was the cry in the streets when Paul visited Ephesus. They were idolaters. They were pagans. And the Apostle Paul <clears throat> says God has come. Christ has come to this earth to reveal this mystery that he's going to make Jew and Gentile one. He's going to take that middle wall of a of partition, that wall that if any Gentile would trans, uh, uh, get climb over or, or cross would be the punishment of death because he, he went into the courts of the Jews, the Israelites. That wall has now been abolished, Paul says, through Jesus Christ. They've all become part of the commonwealth of Israel, if you will. And so he, he begins this letter, or this, this portion of the letter, that he's reminding them and testifies that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. You were once that. You were once darkness, now you're light. Don't walk like they did, in the vanity of their minds, in the, in the uselessness, profitable, uh, unprofitable ways in which they were walking in their misunderstanding of why they're here, or who God is. He says being, they were ignorant because of the blindness of their heart. It is not because God um, wants them to remain in their blindness, because he commands every man everywhere to repent, to see um, the truth about who God is. And he says they had their understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God. I, when this, this struck me even more when I read this yesterday. They were alienated. They were strangers to the life of God. Who can relate to God? Who can compare himself to God that they would see that they are alienated from that. Who is this God? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The gods that they knew were the ones that would bring them rain and, and, and sun and, and, and grow their crops and they could do, go to one God for this, to another God for that. But there was one God, Elohim, the maker of heaven and earth. In three persons we came to learn in a mystery in the New Testament. They were alienated, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, and ignorance, who being past feeling, they, they went so far into their um, godlessness, as it says in Ephesians, for you were without God, without hope, in Ephesians chapter 2. Without God is really 
atheos, you are atheists. And how do you expect to make it anywhere in life to achieve the greatest fulfillment and the greatest joy without God? You have no morality. You have no laws to tell you what's wrong, what's right, except for the law maybe of the government or their superstition to their multitude of gods. And he says that without, without feeling. The Apostle Paul says they have their consciences seared. You know what seared means? Cauterized. When you have a wound or something and you can sear it to seal it up. It becomes numb and desensitized, scar tissue. You, your consciences are seared. You, you have no feeling to what is good and right before God. He says exactly that in verse 19. Who being past feeling have given them so, themselves over unto lasciviousness, awful lusts, horrific lusts, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's the kind of world we live in, beloved. That's the kind of world they lived in back then. And life didn't have a price or value. They would kill who they wanted to, to get where they wanted to be. And has that changed today? Except it be for the Holy Spirit and except it be for the goodness of God, the, 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 the world would have spiral down to horrendous levels of depravity and corruption and lawlessness. But then he says, look, these were the Gentiles. This is what you, you came out from. But you have not so learned Christ. This is not how you have learned Christ. And if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, in Jesus... That's where the truth is, in Christ. It's not in your philosophical um, world. It's not in your, your, your political world. It is in Jesus Christ. That's where the true wisdom is, as we began to hear last week as well. And because of that, you need to put off. You need to leave behind. You need to shed concerning former conduct, conversation. The former conduct of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, when, since we brought up Sister Lily this morning, when she was going through her repentance and wanted to become a, a Christian, after God had allowed that disease of cancer to overcome her. She turned to God. And she knew now in staring in into the view of eternity what needs to be done. And we're so thankful for that. We are sad, but yet we rejoice. And she wanted to learn more, more and more. We offered her baptism. She, no, she wants to know more. And the more she got into the word, we offered 
to go through a book called New Life in Christ, which we give to our converts, which we, which we share and, and, and counsel with. And you go through this book, you read through the passages, and it's got scripture readings. And once you've read through the chapter, you go and answer the questions. And she received so much fulfillment in that, that she was learning now more about the Christ that she will one day meet. Paul says, you have a, a life in God, you have a new life now, and you've got to put off the old and put on the new and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. He's saying you are now members one of another in the body of Christ. He starts off uh, talking about the body of Christ, the, the believing body. Wherefore, in chapter 4, about being one, in one baptism, in one body. Be worthy of the vocation. Walk worthy of the vocation, of the calling that you have been called to. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind. Don't seek pleasure in places that won't fulfill you, but just, just bring you to a lower level of depravity if you continue in it. Then he says this. He, he dedicates verses 26 to the end all about what begins on the inside of us and how it comes out of us and affects our relationships. Verse 26, be ye angry. That's not a command. That's saying, if you are angry, God doesn't want you to be angry. You say, well, there's a good anger. We'll get to that. But in this context, he's saying, you can be angry. It's possible to be angry. But in your anger, don't sin. Now, this is also really hitting me. Because many times I think my anger is not what he's talking about. My anger is... I have a right to be angry because someone did wrong. I have a right to be angry because he didn't get it. No, he said, be angry and sin not. If you get angry, don't let it lead you to sin. Because anger is a what? A temptation. We go back to James chapter 1 that Brother Eric preached on last week. And what did he say? Let no man say that when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God tempts no man, neither can be tempted by any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust conceives, when it mates with your will, it brings forth sin. This is where he says, don't sin. Don't let it get to your will that you now act upon your anger. And then he continues on in James chapter 1 
And when sin is finished with you, if I can put that in, it brings forth death. It brings forth a separation from God. So, he starts off with this very, in verse 26, a very practical application of what he's just been talking about. Because this world is angry. This world is angry. And I must admit, I get angry at this angry world. But I have to be careful that I'm not the one contributing to the anger of this world and I've got to be careful that I don't let my anger lead me to sin. So, the question that is begging is, do Christians get angry? I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. I know the answer. Christians do get angry. Does every Christian get angry? I would say, venture to say yes. The question is, what do you do with your anger? I was going to preach this earlier this year, maybe Christmas Day. I thought, no, not a good idea on Christmas Day. May have been a good idea, I don't know. I just thought I'd delay it for a bit. New Year's Day, give it some time for the joy to filter through. But this is not something that is to take away our joy. This is something to grant us more joy. Because I wonder how many of us, when we get angry, feel we feel more joyful. I wonder how... How many of us, when we feel angry, do we feel more, more at peace? That never gave anyone more joy. That never gave anyone more peace to get angry. Instead, it makes us feel bad afterwards, doesn't it? If we have any conscience or knowledge of the holy. I want to read you. I read up. I wanted to look up. Because I heard so many different um, definitions of anger, depending on who you talk to. I decided to go to the Webster definitions, and I, I didn't go for the modern Webster. I went for the Webster of 1828. What did they think of anger back then? The Webster Dictionary. This is what it says. Anger comes from the Latin word ango. It means to choke. To strangle. It means, it, it's a root word for anguish, from which we get angina. In the Greek, it means to strangle, to strain, to draw together, to vex. The primary sense is to press, to squeeze, to make narrow. And it's something that is not, we haven't got to the externals yet. It's, I believe, as many believe, it's something that is internal to us. It's how we feel inside. We haven't yet expressed it on the outside. And that's where I think maybe it's a good definition for wrath. 
The Bible talks about wrath. It says in James again, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Remember that? The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Does God have wrath? Yes, he does. But then why can he have it and not us? Because we are very, 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 very poor judges. Because we don't even know. We don't understand. We can't judge ourselves. We judge according to preferences, according to biases, according to upbringings, whatever it is, or according to be self-defensive. But God is not like that. Shall not the judge of the whole earth do good? Do well? Judge rightly? Abraham was saying. He goes on to the definition. Apart from the, uh, the, the etymology of the word, he goes on to the definition in Webster says, a violent passion of the mind. This is of the mind. It's still in the mind. Excited by real or supposed injury. What does that mean? We could get angry over things that are real, that are actual, that are true, that are factual. Or we could get angry over things that are perceptions that they're real. Or there's some evidence that there's real. Or just in our own mind, we've convinced ourselves that it's real and get angry at that. It's usually accompanied with a propensity to take vengeance and to obtain satisfaction from the offending party. This passion, however, varies in degrees of violence and in ingenuous minds may be attended only with a desire to reprove or chide the offender. Somehow we feel that we need to take justice into our own hands by now putting into action what's in our minds. And if anything, it satisfies how we feel. If we vent, if we say things, if we do things, Anger is also excited by an injury offered to a relation, friend, or party to which one is attached. In some degrees, it may be excited by cruelty, injustice, oppression offered with those with whom we had no immediate connection or even a community of which one is a member. We've seen this during the last few years of COVID when we were forced, quote-unquote, by Many say forced to take the vaccine or, or forced to stay at home or forced to do this. It came in through the elections in the USA where there was violence on Capitol Hill on January 6th. Protesters, burning of things, threatening. And, and, and beloved, this, this is what we would call the rest of the world what was going on in our churches when we had an opinion 
when we believe these conspiracy theories, whether true or not, how does that now translate from the mind to the action is the real question that God is asking us and telling us to deal with in appropriate ways. What are some of the um, disadvantages? If you look at, um, first of all, I, I came. There was a scripture that was nagging me. For those that may think, um, I'm not angry. I don't go go that way. There's a scripture that I was looking for, and I found it in, in Ecclesiastes 7:20. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Even the just man, or the most just man on the earth, even that person can sin and does sin. Romans 3 says that there's none that doeth good. No, not one. All of us are subject to falling, to temptation. All of us are subject uh, to temptation itself. That's James 1. But how we deal with that temptation really speaks to what we are controlled by. Are we controlled by the Holy Spirit? Are we controlled by God? Is the word of God hid in our hearts that we might not sin against him? Or are we controlled by our anger? That's why I don't believe we as Christians should be out there picketing and protesting because you are now numbered with those that do things like that. Even though you say, oh, I didn't go for that, but you have now basically identified with this group that you have no control over and they do things and you end up being on the CTV news or the ABC news. We have to be very careful. Why is this serpents and harmless as doves? <clears throat> what does James say? How are we to deal with anger? Remember James 1.19? I hope I'm not taken from your sermons, brother, uh, brother Eric. But James 1.19 says that we are to be slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to hear. Slow to anger. As I studied this, I thought, what about God? Is he slow to anger? In the Exodus chapter 34, we've heard this so many times, I hopefully... We should almost know off by heart, but I don't want to make a mistake here, so I'm just going to look at Exodus 34 from the Scripture. This is when Moses asked to see God in order to give him the courage to lead the people into the promised land. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. I looked up that word in the Hebrew because it happens all over the place. It happens in the New Testament. Paul repeats it and repeats it about long-suffering, about patience. 
The word long-suffering in Hebrew really is translated as slow to anger. If we want to be like our God, even God has a righteous anger, yet he's slow to anger. Why? Because he's long-suffering, he's merciful, he's gracious. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He was long-suffering to Pharaoh. He let him disobey him and reject him and rebel against him ten times. He said, but this, for this reason I raised up Pharaoh. Not that he created him to be born, but he raised and preserved him so that he could show through him his glory. He didn't destroy him straight away. He didn't put him away straight away. But he was long-suffering. As it says... In, in the Romans 9, that the vessels that were meant for destruction, he was long-suffering towards. He was talking about Pharaoh also. How much more does he long-suffer us, his children? Should we not be glad about that? Should we not be rejoicing that God, though I have time and time again fallen short of his glory, to put it lightly, Let's call a spade a spade. I have sinned. How many times does God say, I forgive you? When he told Peter, if your brother trespasses against you, don't forgive him seven times, but 70 times seven. Don't get angry. You know, when I was younger, someone said, out of jest, of course, he says, I don't get angry, I just get even. What's, you are angry. Your angry anger is simmering. It's, it's put on hold. But if you want to get even, you want to execute your wrath at an appropriate time. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be long-suffering, slow to anger, so that we can think things through. You know, you know what? Maybe I'm like that too. Maybe I've done that to others and... And, and I need their forgiveness. Have we ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what is the value of being angry? I just got, got a couple of other verses here. It says in, in Proverbs, Foolishness of man perverts his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. What he's saying is, there are those that get themselves into trouble and then they blame God for it. Then they're angry at God. Then they're shaking their fist at God. How come God doesn't do something like this? Why, doesn't, why did God allow that to happen? That's not wise. We can question God. We can plead with God. But to accuse God, Paul said God has been accused too many times. We need to justify him by our confession of our sin, by the confession of what we have done wrong. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule on his own spirit is like a city and is broken down and without walls. This goes, leads into the next verse of Ephesians 4. So don't be angry. If you're angry, don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. 
Neither give place to who? The devil. When we're angry, we give place to the devil. We give place unto the devil. In in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of you, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Be careful that you don't hold unforgiveness in your heart. Because the devil is going to use that to take advantage of you. And what's he going to do? What anger always does. Anger divides marriages. Anger divides families. Anger divides churches. Unforgiveness. Do you you understand? Do Do you realize, should I say? I think you understand, and I will understand. Do we understand there are... You know, the Bible calls a sin unto death. You've, you've heard 1 John chapter 5, 5, 16. There is a sin not unto death, but there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talked about anger, Matthew chapter 5, Verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And who shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, in your anger, is in danger of hellfire. There are sins that God considers very, very serious. Here he says, you deserve the lake of fire if you call your brother, you fool. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Am I playing judge? Am I playing God? Am I sitting in God's place? When God says don't judge, when God says don't take vengeance, when God says, I will recompense the Lord, you say, God, no, give me the sword. I want to take care of this. I want to do this. God says, you crossed the line. If you call your brother a fool. I know he's a fool. How many times have you heard it at work? He's an idiot. That should not come out the mouth of a believer. Turn over to chapter 6 of Matthew. Same sermon. What did Jesus say? Forgive us our debts, for we, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Can you go to heaven in sin? If you don't repent, if I don't repent of these sins that God has given you power over because your pride 
And my pride is keeping me back. My anger is saying no. Where God says forgive. Where God says don't be angry. Don't go to bed angry. He didn't say don't go to bed without solving the problem between you and your wife. Or between you and your brother. But reconcile. Solve the problem at some other time. But at least don't go to bed angry. There's one more, the more I look into this, there's one more sin that deserves a lake of fire. There's many more, but specifically mentioned in the Bible. It says, all liars shall be cast into the lake of fire. My dear one, my dear friend, my dear brother and sister, if you think that we can go into God's presence knowingly that we've lied And knowingly that we have held that back because it's too embarrassing. What did Christ die for? Are you going to let your shame, are you going to let your embarrassment not allow you to get into the courts of glory? Oh, liars. Those that cannot forgive, those that call their their brother fool, those that are lying because it's a shortcut. It evades embarrassment. It evades Punishment, whatever it is with a society. Brothers and sisters and friends, we need to really grasp. You say it's just a small thing. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing in God's eyes. And that small thing in your eyes could divide your family, could divide your church, could divide your co-workers because they don't see the, 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 the light of Christ in you. You are an ambassador... And I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We need to represent Christ on this earth. And if that's what they see in us, what do you think they're going to say? Is this your Christ? They're going to be like Gandhi. I like your Christ, but I don't like the Christians. Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. You have become defenseless. You have let the walls down. You have opened the the drawbridge and you have allowed the enemy to come in and take foothold. You have allowed devil to come into your life, not only into your life, but into your life of your family, to your friends. Because your defense is your pride. And that will get you nowhere. It will get me nowhere if I'm like that. And you know what? It begins with the little things. Sorry, I'm not going to go 45 minutes today, but it begins with the little things. Jesus said in Luke 16, I believe it is, he that is faithful in little is faithful in much. Stop being honest With your children, start being honest. With your wife, start being honest. With your friends, start being honest. And and, and, and do the, the basics that Jesus gave us to do that we can do with his grace. And when the bigger trials come, you'll be prepared. He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. 
To him be the glory evermore. Amen. Brother, find the hymn, please. Let's all kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the day you've given to us that we can um, come into your house of worship to, to listen to your word. And Lord, we thank you that you have used our brother um, to speak these words of truth to us, to challenge us in our daily lives, not just in our actions, but also in our thoughts, to, to really challenge our hearts, to see where our, our motives truly lie. And so Heavenly Father, we do pray. Um, the question was raised, um, which Christian does not get angry? And Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us at some point get angry. Perhaps we're not all the same with it, but we, all, we can all work and improve. So Heavenly Father, we pray when anger does come, when anger does cease upon us, that you would help us remind us, Lord, that you, you are gracious to us, that you are loving to us, that if anyone is rightfully angry, Lord, it's you towards us. And yet, Heavenly Father, you choose to be slow to anger. You choose to be loving and kind towards us, even though we don't deserve it. And because we have you, Lord, as our, as our Heavenly Father, as our role model, we pray that we would behave like you in, in, in every manner of life, that we would have this Christ-like nature, that we would be forgiving to others, knowing that you've forgiven us. And Heavenly Father, we pray that we would have a heart of Christ, that we would be able to look past the hurt that perhaps people do inflict upon us, and that we would see um, the needs of others, that we would see where maybe they're hurting others because they are hurt themselves. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be more, more thoughtful towards others, that we would seek the needs of others before ourselves, that we would recognize that everyone is going through something challenging. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray you would give us the, the wisdom, the discernment um, to exercise our anger if necessary, Lord, um, in, a, in a righteous and, and God-honoring way. And Heavenly Father, we've also learned about or have been reminded again about lying. Heavenly Father, help us to never say anything untrue or, or dishonest to anyone. Help our conduct to be upright and, and trustworthy, um, that this would be a witness to those around us and that we would bring glory to your name. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you again for the, for the powerful message you've given to us and that we wouldn't forget it um, as the day goes on and as we carry it through, uh, through with us um, into the rest of the week. Lord, we also want to thank you for um, bringing us all together. We want to be mindful of those who couldn't be here today through various um, ailments, sicknesses. Um, specifically, we're thinking, Lord, of Sister Sigrid. Um, who, who had her accident through falling. And so we pray that you would be with her. Um, and whatever pain she's in, Lord, we pray that you would help her. Um, and we pray that you would be with Brother Edmund as well, as he would um, be with his mother and take care of her, that you would give him the strength and, and wisdom as well. And Lord, we also want to pray for our Brother Edwin, a Brother Edwin who isn't here, um, and perhaps he won't be able to return. We don't know maybe the severity of his condition. But Lord, we just pray you would be with him. We know he's always in a positive mood. He's always that example towards us, Lord. Even though he's going through difficulty now, we know he's always, he always has a beaming smile on his face when people come to visit him. So Lord, help us to, um, to learn from him as well, to, to learn to be content even in the difficult things. And we pray you would also be with Sister Barb and Brother Frank as they would take care of him, that you'd also give them the strength and wisdom um, that they need. 
Lord, we just want to thank you for the remainder of this um, day, and we pray that you would bless us um, and, and keep watch over us. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Finder. It was an uncomfortable word to hear this morning. For me. Because it cut personally. And I really think that's the way we need to receive this word, is personally. Not to look at anyone else, but to take it for myself. It's like when the, we step into bright, bright light and you can barely open your eyes. But the more you open them, the better it gets. Things adjust. And that's how it is, stepping into God's light. When we come out from the darkness and step into that light, it exposes everything about us. Just yesterday, I had a nice hike with the kids in the woods. It was snowy and cold and beautiful, and I wanted to enjoy it. And the kids just wanted to fool around and jump all over and run and do different things. And they were being kids. They were doing what they were doing. And I lashed out in my anger. I had to think after that at how true it is that the, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. It, it's not going to work righteousness in their life, God's righteousness in their lives, if I react that way. How much better a, a step back, an asking for wisdom, a calm, a firm tone would be. I have a long way to go in learning from this scripture. Let's step into the light of God's word more and more. Have it reveal. Let's continue into it. Let's keep looking at it. And in so doing, in being hearers of it and doers of it, we will. We will attain. That righteousness is already there in Christ Jesus. It's already there for us to receive by faith. Let's step into that light this day. With uh, the Lord's blessing, let's be dismissed.